You are listening to episode 212 of the Confident Coaches Podcast, the one where we're going to do business better. Let's go. Welcome to the Confident Coaches Podcast, a place for creating the self-confidence you need to do your best work as a life coach. If you want to bring more boldness, more resilience, and more joy to your work, this is the place for you. I'm your host, Amy Latta. Let's dive in. I'm just going to let you know in advance that when I was in Hawaii last week, I'm recording this right after I get home, I had quite the asthma flare-up. And if I, uh, if, if I should switch into a little smelly cat voice, I'm just going to apologize in advance and just be like, hey, it happens. Listen, I've had an upper respiratory virus, then I had COVID, and then I went to Hawaii and the wildfires and the high winds just... My lungs have had a time this fall, and uh, it's just, it's not going to prevent me from talking to you. I have so much downloading to do from my trip to Hawaii. Have you met me before? If you haven't met me before, I mean, this is 200 episodes in. <laughs> if you haven't met me before, I tend to get very reflective on life occurrences, life changes. And I mean, you can't stand on top of a mountain, the tallest mountain in the world, and look up at the sky where the Milky Way is wrapping around you and not get a little reflective, people. <laughs> so, but I'm still processing all of it. Um, I'm still not back on Facebook. I mean, there, I'm still in the midst of some things. But know that really good things always coming from all of that. But I want to wrap up the last of my Elevate Your Income series. We have gone over all eight, this will be the eighth breakdown of how to elevate your income, how we go through it it, when when you join the marketing initiative, all eight steps. We've had a couple of breaks in there. There were one or two episodes that have broken up this eight-week series, so it's been just a little over two months. But each of these steps is just... I'm going to pull way out real quick before I dive right back in. We do need to do business better. We should want to do business better. We should want to elevate how you're showing up in your business, elevate your audience, whether they buy from you or not, and trust that that is what's going to elevate your actual income and make this a business that allows you to live a life outside of your business so that not everything and not all the pressure is always on your business, right? We put so much pressure on there. We, we forget about the fun. We forget about the joy. We forget about, you know, we'll go back to throwing spaghetti on the wall and forget that we know anything. And you can always come back to these eight episodes and recenter yourself. We've talked about what you want to be known for, how you have that clear-cut messaging, how you want to date your clients. And, and here's the fun thing. I've been coaching people through this. You know, I'm, I'm now into my second marketing intensive. And some of this information is, and here's the thing. When I say evolving, it's not changing. We're just, as always, your stuff is always going to become more fine-tuned. I could do 
another episode just on the dating conversation. I could do another episode just on the messaging conversation because we've dug in a little bit more. And some brilliant coaching questions have come up. And some doorways I hadn't previously explored had come up. And I want to empower you to allow you to evolve, you to elevate, your coaching to continuously grow, that none of this is carved in stone. You can't stand on top of a mountain and look at the entire universe staring back at you and kind of go, hmm, maybe all this shit on earth is made up. (laughs) And we can kind of do and make what we want of this. Let's do it in a way that elevates me, you, your audience. And let's do business better. And that's what today's episode is. Do business better is, you know, most the bulk of the work that we're doing inside the marketing initiative really is that the messaging and, and, you know, what do I want to be known for? And, you know, how do I continuously invite people to take the next step with me? And, you know, do I want to share that in a once a week blog? Do I want to share that in five reels a day? You know, how, how do I actually want to communicate that? The rest of these pieces, the second half of these pieces have been ways to, if you just plucked one of them in the eight weeks together and fine-tuned a little bit, your, bez- your business would be just that much more elevated and then you keep going and then you keep going. So do business better is about the actual running of your business the what you know what we would call the administrative back end you know your messaging is is what you're going to be talking about the you know how you talk about it dating people and simple content planning is the you know the mechanisms with which you talk about it you know making sure your pricing is is allowing you for income making sure you're using your time in a way that elevates income the feminist marketing swaps, if you did not download those. I do know you heard from me when I was in Hawaii because (laughs) I recorded the episode and then on the plane actually finalized the download and I was like, oh, this download is organized entirely different than the way I talked about it on the episode. And so you did hear a little bit of my smelly cat voice. So now we're talking about things that we tend to overlook. We're, we're, we're talking about actual business practices when we're talking about do business better. And so I just want you to consider what kind of business owner, what kind of business runner do you want to be? Uh, we don't use that word business runner a lot. You hear that in show business. You hear about the show runner, you know, the, the person who runs a show, a television show. And that's what you are. You are running a production. You are running a business. It doesn't have to be a complicated business. It can be a very elegantly simple, uh, very streamlined business. It doesn't have to be complicated in any way. But it is worth taking some, even if it's just listening to this episode and considering. How do you want to do business? You know, your reputation around how you operate your business, which is very different than your reputation around what you talk about. You know, this is different than do people like like being in your space and enjoy your reels and enjoy talking to you. And this is literally the nitty gritty of business practice. So let's cover just a couple of areas that are simple, won't be complicated to answer, but might direct you just a little bit 
after you listen to this. So the first thing that I want to cover is what we would call scope of work. We kind of address this in your why you and no one else and clear-cut messaging and a little bit of that dating conversation because we're talking about what you do and don't coach on or what your business does and doesn't do, what you do and don't cover. But your scope of work is a little bit more contractual. You know, we had the conversation around, you know, what subjects do you want, not want to talk about in your messaging and your marketing, but we're actually, your scope of work is actually, they're in the door. They are working with you. You are consulting, you are facilitating, you are coaching. Whatever you marketed to them, we've established that. Now we want to establish You know, if you are a coach and you are in week five and they're bringing up at this point, they're bringing up all kinds of topics and considerations that you aren't equipped to coach them on. That's not why they hired you. And you knowing what your scope of work is and is not, it gives you a guideline of the work you should do for your client. And it's a couple of things. So here are some questions to consider. And I want you to consider, you may or may not put this in an actual client contract for them to sign, but at a minimum, you want to know these answers. Because you want to know these answers on the off chance this client comes to you and through the course of coaching with them, you find yourself in territory that you're like, "Mm, this isn't where we're going. And you also want to know what the scope of work is. So that if a client is working with you for 12 weeks and we're in week 11 and they're nowhere near where you originally talked about when they first signed on, you want to know what your scope of work was, what you stated. So you're talking about what areas will you cover? What work will you do? What can they expect from you? What can they expect when you work with Amy, we're going to be we're going to be talking marketing basics, we're going to be talking feminist principles, intersectionality, we're going to be talking confidence, mindset. But you want to know what is outside of my scope of work? Healing your trauma is outside of my scope of work. Your accounting in your books, bookkeeping is outside of my scope of work. Those are two simple examples that I can give you both on the business side and the mindset side, that would be outside my scope of work. I can give you some tips and I can give you some basic at-homes of how to work with your nervous system. But I am not somebody who you hire for nervous system work. That's outside of my scope of work. And what can you expect from me when working with me? Well, it's going to depend on what program you work on. Are we doing a one-hour one-off or a half a day? Are we doing three months of one-on-one work, six months of one-on-one work? I need to be able to know, here's what you can expect in about an hour of my time. Here's what you can expect if you join the marketing initiative. In other words, doing one round of eight weeks of the, I keep saying marketing initiative, doing one round of eight weeks of the marketing intensive, it's very unlikely you are going to have all eight subjects fully fleshed out. But you're probably going to get good chunks of it fleshed out in eight weeks. And whether you choose to join another round 
or move on on your own without me by your side, you have the information to run with and define for yourself. You're going to have the, the tools and the roadmap and some of the implementation in eight weeks. That's what you can expect from working with me. So your scope of work is covering the subjects you do and don't cover as well as like, here's what you can expect when you work with me for eight weeks, which is very different than what you can expect when you work with me, you know, eight weeks in a group marketing intensive with nine other people versus three or six months one-on-one. That's two different scopes of work, right? You can expect two different things from me. But I want to be able to know the answers to those questions when I'm thinking about my business so that I can either explicitly state them, these may be items that I use for my about me page or work with me page or frequently asked questions. Um, They might be copy points that I could make posts from. I might incorporate that into you know, the bones of a client contract. Like here are the subjects we are going to cover. Here are the subjects we are not going to cover. Here's what you can expect in eight weeks or 12 weeks or however long. Here's what we won't likely get to. So, and you want to consider also, what will you do if work comes up that's not covered by your scope of work? So if somebody does come to you, and you're, you know, in a few weeks in, in the coaching has been leading in that direction that is outside of your scope of work. What do you have some ideas in mind? Will you choose to redirect? Will you, you know, have a conversation about what they want to do in that instance? Will you have some referrals ready for them? If that work, you know, if somebody comes to me and we're working on their marketing and we're working on their mindset and we keep coming around conversations that are clearly in need of a more therapeutic measure, I want to have thought about that in advance so that I know, okay, if that should happen, then I'm going to be empowered to have a conversation with that client and say, here's what we, you know, I can help you with anything outside of that. Let's see if maybe, you know, a therapist might be better suited to cover these topics and our willingness to have that conversation and not worry if the, you know, not worry about whether or not that client might need to postpone our, our work together because we're operating what is in best of the client. And also I want to offer That thinking about what your scope of work is can help prevent you leading your client straight into a land of trauma and you being completely ill-equipped on how to handle that. But when you've thought about it beforehand, like planting those seeds in your mind of knowing so that you can identify when conversations are starting to go a place where you know you that's a therapeutic conversation, not a coaching conversation. It's not quite as fraught in terms of, you know, so as a, for instance, trying to think of somebody outside of my business, uh, you know, you are helping people, you know, with weight loss or nutrition or, or something along those lines, but maybe you don't do meal planning. You are, you 
you know, that's outside of the scope of work. But if all of your conversations keep landing on this person is clearly desiring you to tell them what to eat Monday through, you know, Monday through Friday and create meal plans for you, you being able to know that's outside of my scope of work. So should that come up, here's some things. Now, we may not, you're, I'm not expecting that you can possibly conceive of every scenario that a person might come up with that is outside of your scope of work, but just having, like, what are some common things? I talked to somebody today in a one-hour conversation who does career coaching, and she was very clear, I'm not going to help you with your resume. I'm not going to help you with interviewing skills. That would be outside of her scope of work. Knowing that for your answers will help you avoid uncomfortable conversations in the future, being caught off guard in the future, and possibly working with a client in an area you are not equipped or prepared or want to actually do. I think another thing that's really important when thinking about doing business better and thinking about your scope of work is how are you going to gauge if the coaching is successful or not, right? This comes back to that question of, you know, what can they expect from you and, and what do you need to make clear to them? How, are, how can you gauge? What are your touch points along the way of is this coaching doing what the client is wanting to do? So not an uncommon coaching scenario of lots of clients over the years have said, you know, they hired me for this, but all of our conversations keep talking about this. And now we're eight weeks in and we're nowhere near working on the thing. And I'm afraid they're going to think this isn't working for them. It's incredibly common. So what will be your gauges that you can look for? What will be your, I hesitate to call them red flags because red flags is an indicator that something's going wrong. And it's not necessarily that something is going wrong, but it's almost like your bumper guards on playing bowling, right? What are your things that you want to make sure that you and the client are still on the same page. Maybe the client has inadvertently changed what they really want to talk about. And they're like, I know I, and, and you know, if you don't have that conversation or if you aren't checking in with, wait, what are my gauges of whether or not this coaching is successful or not? You know, if, if you're going to work with me by three months and this is what you can expect by three months, we know all results are not linear. It is very possible. I know more than once. You know, you're working with somebody for six months and it's really not until that fifth month where like shit starts clicking, right? We know not everything can be divided out equally, but what are some of those bumper guards? What are some of those coming up for air? There's a really specific word I'm wanting to remember and I can't remember. It's like gut checks, right? Like I'm just checking in. Why not have those conversations or why not at least having considered for yourself? What are those things? How will you gauge so that, if this client is eight weeks in on a 12-week coaching program and all of the coaching has been not at all what they hired them for, you can feel empowered to say, hey, all of our conversations about this, I feel like we're doing really great work here, but this is what you know our initial conversation is, is about. Do you want to you know, steer back in that direction or do you want to keep going down this path? And that way, you're not getting to the end of that coaching and they're like, this is not what I hired you for. (laughs) You want to be able to 
empower yourself to be able to have their best interest in mind. If they want to change the direction, they totally can. But A, is that a direction that's inside your scope of work or isn't it? And just knowing in advance and feeling empowered to be able to help your client where they need to go. So your scope of work, again, maybe you're using putting that in a client contract. Maybe you're not. It's at least something you want to be super clear on your end. And you want to establish what, what you do want to make clear to them. We, we do want to make sure that they know what their touch points are, what their check-ins can be. So a big part of doing business better, knowing what your scope of work is and making sure that, you know, your bestest clients should fit inside the scope of work that you've established. And if they don't, it doesn't mean that they aren't amazing. And it doesn't mean that they are a never, but maybe they aren't the best client in this moment. Because there's nothing worse and... I don't know. Have you been there? I know I have. Of working with somebody, saying yes to somebody who whose work that they needed was outside my scope of work, but they really wanted their messaging resonated with them. They really liked me. They they like the messages that we're talking about. But once they get inside the door, it's very clear that the work that they want to do or that they they really need the most work on is outside my scope of work and me. And continuously trying to make it work. That's not fun. It's not good for, it's not, it's not great for them. And it's not fun on your side of the table. So that's why that conversation is so important to have with yourself. Another part, the other part of doing business better uh, is not only knowing what your work is and isn't, but I think like what are, knowing what your policies are, right? There's no... I mean, this is not an exhaustive list of policies to consider. I'm just going to be very clear. And in fact, I would 100% invite you to, you know, send me an email. If you're, if you get emails from me about podcast episodes that when this podcast episode lands, you hit reply and you let me know if there's any more, or if you see this on my, my stories or on social media. So this is not an exhaustive list of policies that you could consider here. I'm going to be really, really clear. This is like your terms and conditions of use kind of stuff. This is like stuff that like a lawyer is going to be like, a a lawyer is going to be like, here's legally what is and isn't okay. This is a list of things to consider. And I would even invite you that if you have other things that you feel might fit, you know, that maybe I overlooked in this list of policies to consider, you know, if you're on my email list and you get the Tuesday emails with the podcast episodes, hit reply and share any that you have thought were important to define. If you see this post on social media, you know, definitely on Instagram, um, on Facebook, on my new personal page, it's the separate conversation, on LinkedIn, you know, by all means, direct message me or post in the comments any additional policies that you think are important. You know, a, a lawyer is going to ensure that you're legally covered. And I do have a legal recommendation that I will put in the show notes. And it is probably not the AWB lawyer that 
everybody else recommends, I would actually recommend not using that lawyer. So I will put a legal representation. If you are looking for one, I will put a a highly respected, well-regarded legal representation in my in the show notes. But a lawyer, they're the ones like this is not legal advice. <laughs> That's the point I'm trying to make. This is not all-encompassing. This is not legal advice. A lawyer is who you want to run this stuff by. And a lot of lawyers, including the recommendations I'm going to have for you, have pre-made packages. So like you can just download what they got. I think it's really important to know, especially if you are listening to this as a life coach, this is an unregulated industry. There's actually a lot of things that you might find unsavory, that I find unsavory, things that go against many of the things that I've talked about in feminist marketing swaps and elevating your business. It's legal. These things are absolutely legal. You just want to consider whether or not you actually want to do them. You just want to consider what your policy is. And a lot like the feminist marketing swaps episode from last week, you may or may not agree with me on what things should or should not be. And that's so much less the point. This point is not about you agreeing with me. It's about you making these decisions for yourself because this is the type of business you want to run. Okay, so some policies you might want to consider is, you know, how are you going to handle payments? You know, how do you want to handle payment plans? Are you, you know, is, is, when is payment due? Are you going to do payment plans? And if you do payment plans, how are those payment plans going to be split up? What can they expect for, you know, how do you want to handle them in terms of not only what are you going to use to process payments, but are you going to offer any alternative methods? It doesn't matter necessarily what the answers are, but it's good to know what your policies are. And even if you wrote these out in plain language, that would be helpful to you and the other person, right? So how how do you handle payments? How do you process payments? How do you handle payment plans? So if working with me one-on-one for six months is $10,000, I handle my payments, you get a billing through Stripe, and you can make a one-time payment or you can do five payments of 2000 And those payments will be, the first payment will be taken upon, you know, upon, I'm using, this is not the right language, but it's coming out, this is how it's coming out of my mouth. You know, the, with that first installment, when you immediately play and then each additional installment 30 days later. Like, that's a really simple payment policy. And it's clear and it's not vague and you know what to expect. And I know what to expect. And how do you want to handle payments that don't go through? How do you want to handle payments that are declined on a credit card? How do you want to, you know, what's, what is your policy there? How long do they get to make that payment? What if they can never make that payment? Again, these aren't questions you have to have carved out in stone before you can operate any business. They are damn good questions to consider in advance so that you just kind of know these are what my policies are. This is what you can expect when you work for me so that you're not surprised any more than they are surprised. So how do you want to handle payments? How do you want to handle missed payments? How do you want to handle partial payments? 
Like let's say somebody is uh, is able to pay three months, but then they can't pay that second or, or you know that fourth and fifth month. I want to know on my side of the table what I'm going to do. What is my policy? How do you want to handle refunds? And if you have more than one program, it might be different for each program. My refunds are different depending on the program because the price and you know what you get immediately is is different. So how do you want it? Do you, do you offer refunds? You don't actually have to. Like legally, you are not obligated. But, and also, do you want to? And if so, how do you want to handle them? You know, this is where we could have a conversation around, you know, a lot of what we've seen as far as refunds, a lot in the coaching industry, you know, some people have like a, no, it's like buying tickets to a concert. If you don't show up, that's not my problem. Those big names are not giving you your money back if you opt not to attend to the show. If you opt not to do the work. And other people are full refund, no questions asked. And then other people have varying degrees inside. Maybe your refund policy for a digital product is different than, you know, coaching session where they aren't getting access to, you know, a, a crap ton of your intellectual property as soon as they pay and everything in between. Here's another interesting that I, I, I think it's really important to mention about policies. Also, the, even once you have the policies in place, you are still at liberty to have an individual conversation with somebody, right? Like you can, and when I say break your own policy, be really clear what I, what I mean is you can still have a human-to-human conversation with somebody Somebody purchased into a program over the summer. She was very, very excited about it. And then months went by and finally she reached out and said, I've had a family member who's incredibly ill. I haven't even been able to look at it. I didn't worry about following the normal refund policy. Normally, I would have had, you know, it would have been a partial refund to cover the digital product. But she legitimately hadn't even looked at any of it yet. And I had a relationship enough out. Some of that's gut. Some of it's not gut. You have to, you know, you have to make those decisions. It doesn't so much matter, but it's good for you to have an idea in your head. Here's how I handle refunds. I think when it comes to policies, what's confidential, what's not confidential? From inside coaching calls, from inside private groups, from inside direct messages and emails, from inside public groups. What won't be confidential? Now, depending on where you're certified, you know, again, there is no governing body. There is no, you are not a lawyer who has to pass the bar association. There's no bar association for what we're doing. So you want to establish what is ethics. I even want to offer to you that if you are certified through an ICF, International Coach Federation, you have to agree to the code of ethics that they stood by. You can absolutely look up what those code of ethics are. And also those, like having been certified by a program like that does not mean that practitioner is not actually legally bound to them. I think that's something that people get confused about. Like being certified by that doesn't necessarily mean that that practitioner is living by that code of ethics. 
which is why a lawyer actually is held to that bar standard because that is a legal thing within each state. So I, I, I mentioned that because we are still going on an honor code in our industry. If you're a life coach, no matter what, you are still going on an honor code. So you just want to consider what yours is. And confidentiality, refunds and payments are part of that. What can people expect when they work with you? And we've talked about this in a lot of marketing swaps. You actually, nothing is actually confidential inside life coaching. HIPAA does not apply here. You you are not a therapist. Unless you're saying, I am a therapist and you're operating as a licensed therapist in your state. You are not a therapist. By the way, I'm not telling you that to advocate. (laughs) For, For nothing to be confidential. But you want to consider that you are not legally bound. So what do you want to be ethically bound to yourself? What do you want those policies to be? I'm going to err on the side of what creates a safe environment for my client. What will lead them to feel safe? And there are definitely, I, you know, in the past had taken screenshots and blocked out, you know, blocked out names, you know, screenshots from inside private groups and blocked out names and share them on social media, and I don't do that anymore. Or I would name a first name without, you know, really giving any identifiers, but share, you know, Jane said this in the last coaching call. Well, Jane didn't say it was okay for me to share that. And 95% of my listeners don't know who Jane is, but that's not cool by the way that I want to do business better. So you want to have an idea for yourself. What do you want those policies to be? What do you want to be confidential? What do you not want to be confidential? What can people expect if they have a complaint of some kind? So this kind of goes into the refunds. This kind of goes into the scope of work a little bit. How do you want to handle complaints? If you run a Facebook group, what are the policies of that Facebook group? What will you and won't you allow people to do in that Facebook group? Same thing with your coaching calls. What are the policies of your call? I've definitely been in circles where if you are not, you know, you you can't be in a car, you can't be driving, you have to have a certain kind of microphone, you need to be professionally dressed. You know, we're certain we're not going to be doing chat. Um, I've definitely been in circles where, you know, in the Facebook group, there won't be any conversations about this, this, or this. You don't have to be that way. But it's just good to know what kind of environment do you want to create for people? If they have complaints, how, where will you direct them to? Most likely it's just you and the person. (laughs) You most likely don't have a team, right? But these are good things to think about. What's confidential? What isn't confidential? Again, it's not related. It's not unrelated to the scope of work, right? Some of what they can expect and not expect. But having that in your terms and conditions of use can just let people know, hey, I might ask you from time to time when you've shared a success, if I may use that success 
to use in a piece of marketing and I, you have the right to say no and you have the right to ask that it be anonymous and you have the right, you know, and you have the right to say, not only do I want you to use my name, I want you to use my full name and here's my picture. But letting people know and having those policies, like do, the scope of work and the policies while we're talking about like, well, hold on, you know, am I going to divide it up by five payments or not five payments? But all of those things, all, all of this about doing business better really is about creating a secure environment, a safe environment for your people where they feel open to share with you what is and isn't happening. And they know what they can expect from you. Doing business better, elevating your audience and your clients. Like so much of what we've talked about up until this week has been about elevating your audience. This week is really about elevating your client experience. Doing business better. We are talking about, I mean, yes, it's, you know, you know, when they sign up, they're going to get this email and that, you know, but some of that's like part of the dating. That's more of the client experience from the dating perspective, right? How you onboard them, how you outboard them. These policies are really about every day to, you know, the day-to-day experience of your clients. That's what we're talking about in doing business better. What is the day-to-day, week-to-week experience that your clients can expect from you? And again, this wasn't exhaustive in any way, shape, or form. I'm sure we could go down multiple alleyways, but that's why just want you to consider some of those questions so that we can do business better, so we can create these environments that feel comfortable, that feel safe because we're doing work that is transformative. We are pushing them outside of comfort zones. How do you want them to feel in that space where you're doing that? And having these things defined, I think I, 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 I'd be low, I'd, Hesitate to to stop recording before I include this. Having these things defined up front doesn't mean even if the other person signs off on it, even if you put all of that into a client contract in plain language that was super simple to read, even that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't take issue with something later on down the line. But you having established these policies and what you do and don't want to do and what is okay and what isn't okay, just having that set forth ahead of time makes those potential conversations so much easier, so much easier. And for most people who are not going to come to you with a major complaint and asking for their money back or come, you know, complaining about something that Susie said somewhere, you know, most people are going to find a sense of safety and security just knowing that you've thought about that and you've got their back. So again, not exhaustive in any way, shape, or form of how we can do business better or how we can have our day-to-day back end of our business and how we handle clients individually, you know, when they are actually in our coaching rooms day after day, week after week. It's not exhaustive of all the possible scenarios that may or may not come up, but those are the big ones. So I invite you to just consider what you want your answers to be. Do you like your answers? And know that if you decide to let them evolve, they can evolve. All right. This is the last week of November. December starts. I know. 
how did we get here? December starts by the end of this week. We're in the last month of 2023. I can't wait to see what you create. And I'll talk to you next week. Coach, it's time to sign your first free client, your first paid client, your next client, and to learn how to do it consistently and having a hell of a lot of fun along the way. This is exactly what you're going to do in Free to Paid Coach. It's the only program giving you step-by-step what to do to become a paid coach and step-by-step how to handle the roller coaster emotions that come with doing what you need to do to become a paid coach. If you know you can't not do this life coaching thing, but believing that you can do it, handling rejection, and remembering how to do all of those things shuts you down, the free-to-paid coach community is waiting for you. Find everything that you're looking for inside. It's only $1,000, payments are available, and then you are in forever. Visit amylatta.com forward slash FTPC to join us right now. See you inside. Let's get paid, coach. Thanks so much for listening to the Confident Coaches podcast. I invite you to learn more. Come visit me at amylatta.com. And until next week, let's go do epic stuff.